The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Today we have a really great story. We're talking about a children's book with a fabulous message with life lessons. And it's called Grandpa and the Truck. And we're talking about how you can learn lessons from this book and from truckers and what truckers do and what what our children can take away. Our guest is Colleen Kelly Mellor. She taught successfully for 30 years, and her students ranged from those in kindergarten through grade 12. Upon retirement, she went on to a successful eight-year stint as a realtor, but left it to do what she really wanted to do, which was write stories. Her work has been published in the Wall Street Journal, Scripps Howard, Providence Journal, New York Times, and CNN, and acclaimed medical blog, KevinMD.com. And she writes in her, in her website, Bitty Bites, to give messages of hope to those who struggle with life's crises. Her book, Grandpa and the Truck, which is what we're talking about today, are stories are her first foray into writing children's stories. And she notes she's had a lifetime of honing her craft before anybody had who had, could really talk to the toughest audience, which were adolescents. So let's talk to Colleen. And wanted to share one more thing with you is that using her skills as a storyteller, Colleen breathes life into this exciting adventures of her husband, long-haul trucker Paul Wesley Gates, enabling children to appreciate the rich heritage of our great land and its people, as well as tell the significant contributions of truckers everywhere as they move those big rigs, often against impossible odds. Welcome, Colleen. Thank, thank you, Pat. You know that's great. It's it's really a it's it's great that you've written this because it's something we often don't think about. We don't think often about the contributions of our truckers. Well, you know that was a major reason um, when I had actually accessed uh, and done some resource on this and accessed what books were out there. I found that there weren't any. Uh, they had adult versions of trucker stories, but they didn't have anything for little children. And I thought, that is amazing because it's such a vehicle to get across so many life lessons, uh, things that my husband learned on the road over those 30 years, just the idea of the geography factor alone when he went to every single state except one, and we ask kids that question when we go before audiences. Um, invariably, they answer the wrong answer for that, they almost always choose Alaska as the one state that he didn't go to, and, of course, it was Hawaii. 
So we find that it's a great vehicle to teach these things, and um, we're just beginning. So we're all excited well, about it's this. It's everything. It's it's geography. It's the beauty of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also about safety and responsibility. That's right. I mean, there's a, there's a lot here. How did the idea come about? Well, frankly, um, I've had quite an unusual life. By 42, I had uh, unfortunately divorced and then buried two more husbands after that time. So um, I'm pretty much uh, had to be a survivor. And about, uh, it was three years ago, I guess, my husband was in, um, my current husband, we've been together 20 years, and that has been a very good situation. Uh, we were in Asheville, North Carolina, our other home, and he was hit head-on on a mountain road by a, a 12-year-old girl. Mm. And uh, she was in a, a GMC truck. So um, very difficult minute. times. Wait Excuse a second. 12 years, wait a minute, 12 years old? Yeah, 12-year-old girl. That means and, she was... Uh, she apparently asked her uncle if she could drive the truck, and he went along with it, and my husband was coming up the road on his side, and she was driving down. She lost control, and she just went head-on right into him. Uh, he was taken out with the jaws of life. He was uh, had to be uh, brought to the hospital, had a nine-hour operation, and then he died the next day, and doctors brought him back from that uh, terrible thing. Um, so we have gone saying, two years so now coming back that, from can that. Can you hear me, Colleen? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. just I just because I want to get some words in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was when he died, he mm-hmm. died for a minute or so, and then they brought him back. The hospital says it was brief. Um, there's no way of ascertaining exactly how long, but he did have damage from that. Uh, as a result of that, we had a lot of downtime during that period, yeah. and I began writing a blog, which would really focus myself on positive. I needed that Amazing. uplifting thing. Amazing. What happened to the little girl? Um, the little girl had, uh, North Carolina has a situation where basically it was, um, the uncle was accused of endangerment to a minor, uh, child abuse. Uh, nothing, in effect, really happened. So we are still trying to get some resolution there. But it's very difficult. Uh, he had minimal life, uh, excuse me, minimal driving insurance, uh, 25000 I think it's mandated in North Carolina. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because although this was a, a tragedy or almost a tragedy, yeah. look what came of it. I mean, in terms of your writing. And, yeah. and, your, and, and I think your mission statement probably came from that as well. The mission statement, my, my husband had had such a colorful career. Uh, he had been uh, the trucker for uh, 30 years all throughout the country, millions of miles. He had achieved the elite fleet. He was named one of the elite fleet for Atlas Van Lines. He ran his own business. He owned his two big rigs, which are very expensive, really. I never knew any of this before I was... Uh, involved with him and learned about how many different aspects there are to this business. And uh, they have to be in charge of their business, their sheets, their every law through every state they go through. It's just an amazing thing that I just never considered. And uh, he'd also been in the National Guard, so he'd gone trucking to other countries. He led his unit. 
He was the first sergeant for his unit, and he'd been in Guatemala, in other countries, trucking, building hospitals, building airstrips, um, using his talents in that arena as well. So it was so ironic when this girl, this young girl, in a freak accident basically took him out. And uh, I decided in our many hours that we had in therapy offices and wherever, he'd just tell me stories, and I just began writing them down. Mm-hmm. And these became Grandpa and the Truck Stories. Wow. How really amazing. It is. <laughs> it's, it's really, uh, and it, it's a beautiful book, and it has, uh, it has beautiful pictures in it as well. And that we were proud of because we, um, we interviewed artists. Uh, we live in Asheville five months of the year, and we began. It's a great artist community, and so many people are there. Uh, in all genre, music, writing, art, uh, any of this type of thing. And so we began interviewing people, and I would ask them to draw him. I wanted his quirky nature to come across, and I wanted uh, I knew what look I was looking for in that book because this is an entire series. So it couldn't just be a, just a one-shot deal where she, you know, she or she did correctly on one book. It had to be something I knew I could work with and somebody that was committed to the same ideas and the same beliefs. So, yeah, and you have a new book coming out, just released, called Girl Truckers, and I think that's important. Well, we, uh, because I'm a teacher and because I raised two girls myself, uh, women's uh, parity in work situations is very important to me. And I, I, I've seen a lot through those years, and I wanted to get that across because there are approximately 300,000 women uh, truckers today. And mm-hmm. of the, I think the full amount, uh, the full number, it's hard to ascertain because it, it's quite a nebulous group. Uh, it's probably about three and a half million truckers that bring all of our products and Again, if you look in any room, every single product in the room has been trucked in by one of these men or women that drive the big rigs. And uh, so basically I wanted to produce stories that were all-inclusive, that are uh, mindful of um, issues such as being accepted into things and, and not being excluded due to sex, due to race, due to gender preference, etc. So there'll be quite, there'll be all of that in this series. Yeah, what makes it unique as well? Is it, um, you know, the fascination of the big rigs and the kind of maverick lifestyle of the of the truckers? Oh yeah, we. One of the things that kind of spurred this on was um, my little grandkids would be here, and we've got twins that are seven and another one that's four. And whenever the uh, garbage trucks would come around on a Friday morning, I mean, there was pandemonium in this house. They just would run to the windows. And then I'd notice that the truckers would blast the horns, the air horns at the kids. And because I'd hear this all around the neighborhood, and I'd say, what's going on here with this? And they'd be blasting the horn because the little ones would be in the windows waving out. Mm-hmm. So I said, this is amazing because... And then I be, when I began telling our grandchildren the stories, that's when I saw the, the life that was a possibility here. They would be excited. They would keep asking me, Granny, tell me another tra- Grandpa in the Truck story. And they wanted more and more of these. And I thought, why don't I just write these down so that 
all of America's little children can hear these great stories. Colleen, what are some of the lessons? What are the lessons you want to share with children? Um, I would have to say that in the first book we had two specific lessons. Uh, lesson one for the first story is it's not always wise to follow the leader. And that hap- that's brought about when a string of cars is trying to follow a policeman in the fog of a mountain highway in California. When the officer turns too far to the right, they all end up in a ditch. Uh, we do put the message in that no one was seriously hurt, but the valuable lesson that no one should just blindly follow another. That's important. Uh, story two in book one tells children not to go off into unfamiliar territory. And that happened when uh, Grandpa's partner, uh, his trucking partner, Ralph, went off into the hills of Virginia on a dark night to get diesel fuel for the truck. And then he falls into a pack of bloodhounds, which chased him all the way back, hot on his heels. Mm. He just barely made it to the truck. But uh, And the kids all erupt into laughter when I go to that part because I mentioned that he almost got uh, chomped in the butt at that point. Mm. Um, so that it, it, the important lesson, again, too, though, is you don't go into unfamiliar territory and you don't go alone. Um, book two has two lessons as well, and uh, we're very proud of this one. It just came out maybe a couple of weeks ago. The first one is Grandpa Meets the Hurricane, and all of these are true stories. This is when Grandpa was uh, in Biloxi, Mississippi in 1969 when a Category 5 hurricane hit and ripped the roof right off the motel that he was staying in. Um, the hurricane clocked in at sustained winds of 190 miles per hour, and uh, historians will find this interesting. The recent Isaac was feared greatly in that same region, and it wasn't even a Category 1. So uh, Grandpa and the Truck Stories give nature, they give history, uh, geography, amazing life lessons, as we've just said. Uh, Girl Truckers talks inclusion and that people should base their career choice on what their interests and abilities are, not on whether they're boys or girls. Mm-hmm. So these stories, which have really caught on, and you have some notable achievements here. We you do. You were selected for the cool gift section. <laughs> yeah. We're, explain we're, that. We're, explain we're, what OOIDA is. Okay. That is the Owner Operator Independent Driver Association. And these are the men and women across America, hundreds of thousands in this organization, and their magazine is Landline Magazine, uh, in which they, you know, give each other information, legislative tips that'll help on the road. I mean, it's, uh, truckers are a maverick group, but they are a solid group that has a terrific bond between them and among them because they're out there on the roads and they need to rely on each other. So OIDA is an organization for these truckers. It's one of several. Uh, Women in Trucking is another one, and we are also endorsed by them. And, in fact, we bear on the back of our books, we bear endorsements from both of those organizations. But OIDA has chosen us to be in their cool gifts section for November, and they have shown, they have pictures of our two books that are out now, and uh, they show the covers, and they show what's in them, 
and uh, this will be an interesting. This will this will be something people, to get a you know more attention to us. How can people get the books? Books are available right now on our website, which is www.grandpaandthetruck.com. It's all written out. And we are also on the Amazon website. If you go to Amazon.com, books category, and then Grandpa and the Truck, book one and book two. Mm-hmm. Um, as terms of uh, brick-and-mortar stores, we're at Symposium Books on Main Street, East Greenwich, and Twice Tale Tolls, Broad Street, Cranston, we will, where we will actually um, appear on Saturday. Um, I think it's around 11 o'clock. There will be a, a costume parade going through town, and we will be there at that time. We will be in front of Twice Told Tales uh, at a table set up with the books and so forth. They are selling our books as well. Um, we also are in North Carolina in a few places. Books are $14 each, and we do give free shipping. And we'll also personalize and autograph them. Yeah, and we're in North Carolina. The show is national on the Internet. Um, well, we are on, let's see, Malaprop's Bookstore. We just got in there last week. And, again, this is all very new because we're just starting. Malaprop's is one of the uh, premier indie bookstores in the country. It's just a beautiful shop, and everybody knows it in Nashville. And uh, we are also in Mountain Maid in uh, Grove Arcade. And Grove Arcade is a historical building in Asheville. It's, again, a place that many people go. Tourists go, probably go there. It's one of their first stops. So it's a beautiful building, and our books are currently in there. But, again, you can always get them on our website, and uh, we will personalize and autograph them as well. Right. And what uh, what is the age? What age is this? Good is, question, is, Patricia, because... We originally, and I'm a teacher, so uh, four to eight was my original, um, you know, belief. But I have since had people tell me that, uh, and these are experts in education, they've said to me, you know, you can go back to this book at, at many different levels. So uh, in one particular person uh, who was a 30-year reading specialist in the city of Cranston, and I taught in Cranston for all those years, had said that these books have uh, the potential to become children's favorite ones because they can go back and get many different aspects from them. As they mature, they can get more and more. And as I said, it was really important for me to build a product here that I believed in. And I would pick up books and I would read them to my grandchildren, and, and they were soft and fuzzy, a lot of them, but I didn't really find that they taught anything. So I tried to do that with my books. I tried to include many different aspects. So I'm kind of hearing that the age group is a little bit broader than maybe the four to eight group. Yeah. Well, it sounds it. The message is certainly universal for any age. It's universal, and we're a first. Uh, as far as, as I said before at the beginning of the program, I, I was amazed that nobody has done this. And for the simple reason that the... The big rig, children already love it. They are thrilled with it whenever they see it on the roads. Any parent will attest to that. And then when you start writing stories about the adventures, uh, it's just an amazing thing. The a book that's in the wings right now, our third book, it's uh, in the process. 
Our third book will deal with the Woodstock Music Festival. And, of course, that's going to bring back a lot of fond memories to grandparents. And frankly, Why did you choose that? Why is that your topic? Well, uh, it's called The Watermelon Truck, and it has to do with the fact that my husband was on one of the New York highways when he was absolutely stuck due to the Woodstock Music Festival. Now, nobody knew what was going on. The kids just got out of their cars, and they just left them. And that resulted in a, a, a traffic tie-up for two days. No traffic moved in that entire region. Mm-hmm. And that was due to the fact of the Woodstock Music Festival. And uh, so it's, it's an amazing thing. And what he ended up doing, and if you can imagine, there were all these cars filled with people, children, uh, there's no food around, uh, nobody's going anywhere, and kids are walking by with their colorful garb on, their hippie garb, and they're going to a big field way over in the distance because it actually occurred in Bethel, um, New York. It never occurred in Woodstock. It was given that name originally, but it never really occurred there. Mm-hmm. So it's just a you fascinating... It's interesting because in listening to you, the passion is there. And you were a teacher yeah. and you were a successful realtor. Why do you love this so much? Why do you love writing stories so much? I love stories. I love, I, I love stories because they connect all of us. Um, I love stories especially that teach us that out of dire uh, circumstances and difficulties, you can build again. In fact, you can even go higher. Um, my life has been that. I have done that throughout my life. I had to. My daughters are successful today, and they are adults. They're 41 and 31. And I wasn't just ready. I'm not, I'm not a person that just wants to go and um, relax with retirement. I want to do something. I want to do productive things. Uh, we go to hospitals now. We uh, bring that message. We just did this at Hasbro's Children's Hospital. We gave our books out to the children there, uh, the little ones who are currently going through such difficulties. Uh, if I can bring a smile to that child, if I can get that child for a little bit out of a terrible ordeal that they're going through, and I can allow them to travel with us in the truck and mentally to get them beyond their current constraints, that's what I want to do. Uh, if I can get into classrooms, we are vetted. We have... Uh, some wonderful uh, recommendations from people that I knew in education in, in Cranston, Rhode Island, and these are top administrators, and they have given me clearance and given me uh, wonderful recommendations. And I, what I, we would like to do is begin to go into schools. Uh, we would hopefully invite schools to contact us, call us, have us come in, and uh, we can begin the series of Grandpa and the Truck, which just has so many elements to it. We are even going to have a book in the future which will show uh, Grandpa Does the Math and how Grandpa found out the hard way why he needed math skills, even in his career, because originally and early on, he didn't necessarily always find that to be the case. He, he didn't have that sense of value of where why does math matter so much. And we're going to show how math, in all ways, in the trucking instance, you have to use a great deal of math. And he never knew that until he was actually in the world. 
Is your husband still driving? Is he still? No. He, he, my husband is currently 71. He's very active. Uh, I will say this, that doctors um, told us a few years ago that if he hadn't been in the shape he was in, and which means he, jog, he used to jog four or five times a week. He did 5Ks. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the National Guard because he was, um, you know, and he led his unit, as I said. Uh, he had to keep in good physical condition, which is a wonderful thing to do anyway. And because he was in such good shape, he came through that terrible accident that he had um, probably with 85% capacity. But today he does not drive. Now, I, ideally what we would love to do in the future is go cross-country with our message and with our books. Well, this has been a wonderful interview, Colleen, and, and um, I'm, really, I'm really happy to see what you're doing. You're making such a difference. And Thank you. Even your own entrepreneurial story, you were a teacher for years, then became a broker. Now you're writing these stories and inspiring thousands of children and their families, parents and grandparents. So uh, I want to let people know that they can log on to grandpaandthetruck.com. Yes, grandpaandthetruck.com. Is there another contact information? Well, they could. It's ckmellor at cox.net is my uh, email, but... The grandpa and the truck, we do need to say it's G-R-A-N-D-P-A, grandpa and the truck. And the and is written out. There's no and sign. Okay. All right. Grandpaandthetruck.com will bring them to the site, and then there is information about our bios, et cetera, uh, some of the plans that we've been doing and so forth, how to purchase the books. And then, as I said, on Saturday, we will be at uh, Twice Told Tales, which is in Edgewood, uh, near in the Patuxent section of Cranston, Patuxent Village. We'll be there, and I believe they're having a children's parade or something of that nature. So we're going to be there around 11 o'clock, and um, hopefully be around to a number of schools. We're, we're hoping we're inviting schools to contact us, Teachers, contact us. As I said, we have been vetted. Uh, we are a known entity, and we're excited to start doing this. We've got bells and whistles. We've got Jake breaks. We've got sirens. We've got, uh, you know, spice it up a bit. And then I begin reading, and we have sound effects for the stories as well. That'll be fun. All right, grandpaandthetruck.com. Yes. Thanks so much, Colleen, for being on the program. Thank you very much, Patricia. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. All right, stay on the line for a minute. All right. Uh, coming up next, folks, uh, we're going to have Lynn Klassen, and she's going to be talking about face reading, how she can look at people's faces and tell you about your personality. Very interesting. You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living. There's more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. When you talk about the subject of bullying, it's not just the person being bullied who is dealing with complicated issues. It's also parents and teachers. Bullying has even taken a new turn with social networking, negative images, and even reality TV. Tune in to One Word Nation Radio with host Jessica Brookshire. We'll put the issue of bullying front and center, going beyond the classrooms and hallways of our schools to help empower and protect youth and their families. Listen every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back, and we're listening to Part 2 of Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. We have with us a very fascinating woman. Her name is Lynn Klassen. She is acknowledged as one of the world's top experts in the field of face reading, which is an ancient science practiced by visionaries such as Aristotle, da Vinci, and Michelangelo that correlates facial features to character traits and in recent years has been scientifically validated to 92%. Lynn's career as a face reader began in the courtroom as a jury consultant. Lynn has since served in business, sales, dating, relationship, parenting, and poker as a consultant. She's been lecturing and training internationally for over 23 years and speaks at conferences of all types. She's written seven books on the topic of face reading, and her clients span 17 countries. She created Face the Real Deal, a rapidly growing personality profiling system. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you, Patricia. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, fascinating. What a fascinating story this is. Okay, so talk about face reading. What is it? Well, you know, face reading, oftentimes when people hear the term face reading, they assume that it's just body language that's being read on the face. And actually it's not. Body language is that split-second little expression or micro-gesture, we call it, on the face. Which, you know, when I do jury selection, we don't include that until the jury's seated because nobody wants to be on the jury. So they're really giving us the face that they think will get them excused. Face reading is reading the physical structure of the face. Their face is made up of 144 muscles and 14 bones, and that's what we read in face reading. Mm -hmm. And how did you, this is a science, how did you talk about the training that it took to do this? Um, I spent three years in the training. 
Um, a lot of people, you know, for their personal use, they'll take, you know, a few classes and get the hang of it. But every facial feature, line, indent, and crevice on the face tells you something about the person. I often say, you know, the mouth may lie, the words may lie, but the face will not. It's one of the sciences that, you know, you don't need anything from the person. The Supreme Court has ruled since your face is something you expose to the world on a daily basis, you have no right to privacy. So if you can see it, you can read it. And the, the modern brain research has shown us that your facial features actually outpicture how you use the perspective area of the brain attached with it. So the more you use that facial feature, the more dominant it will be on your face and more dominant in your personality, the less you use it at atrophies. For example, most Caucasian men lose their upper lip by the time they're in their 50s someplace because it represents verbalization of their feelings. Hmm. How interesting. So is this similar to physiognomy? Physiognomy and personality were forerunners. If somebody Googles physiognomy online, they're going to get Chinese face reading. Chinese face reading includes the um, elements and more of the, um, they actually include what they they call, you know, the medical aspects of it. There was a Judge Jones, uh, William Burtis, and Robert Whiteside. In the 1950s, they formed an alliance. The judge had been reading faces in his courtroom, was so fascinated, he decided to leave the bench. And they began studying 1,050 people over the course of five years, interviewing family, friends, colleagues, and any trait that they could not scientifically validate to 92% accuracy was not included in Western face reading. So oftentimes when a person Googles any of those terms, they'll get a mishmash because people are trying to get as much exposure as possible. So even though they're doing Chinese face reading, they um, may also put themselves under uh, regular face reading. What about genetics? How does genetics play in? You know, everything, when we're born, everything is really about genetics. You know, I, I I want a baby to be at least 10 days old before I read their face, and at that point, they are a blueprint of their parents, end of story. But what happens then is either the child embraces the behavior, because oftentimes they're watching it in the household, their family, and that sort of thing, and sometimes they don't. And if they don't embrace the behavior, pretty soon it disappears off their face. Then once they're exposed more to the outside world, friends, teachers, you know, um, pastors and that sort of stuff, they may actually embrace a behavior that that person has shown or taught them, and pretty soon it etches their self on their face. Interesting. It, you know, I recently saw an article about Af- um, Marines that had gone to Afghanistan, and she took photos of them before they left, after they'd been in Afghanistan for nine months, and had lost some people in their um, group, and then again once they came home. And it was amazing the differences in their face. You know, the kind of um, intensity that they were in made the facial changes happen very, very quickly. Mm. Amazing. Now, um, what about plastic surgery, Botox, uh, fillers? How does that impact this? Well, when people first start studying face reading, that's very hard to see. The two hardest hardest traits to see if they've had plastic surgery is if they've had their eyelids done and also rhinoplasty. If they've had a good surgeon, it should be very hard to read either one of those. 
Uh, but oftentimes, not all surgery goes well, and it's very visible. And there's also a thing about, does it fit rest of the face? You know, I was lecturing aboard the Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines for them, and this woman was walking down the hall. And her face overall looked like Hillary Clinton, but she had those huge protruding cheekbones of Abe Lincoln. Well, that doesn't go together. It just, I I never saw it. And so I stopped her and I said, you know, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I'm a professional face reader and I'm just fascinated. Have you had cheek implants? She goes, oh, my God, I did. How did you know? Well, it's because it didn't fit rest of her face. Interesting. If people um, have Botox, you know, it's very obvious because their face isn't moving. So oftentimes, you know, in a photo, um, I'm when I'm doing a personal reading, I'm going to take the photo really close up. And so to me, after all these years, it's very unusual that I can't pick something up. But in the beginning, you know, the thing that's important is they had their face changed to reflect who they want you to think they are. Mm. So it's still valuable information, even if you're not sure if you got that one or two traits correct. Now, you left a top corporate career career to be a face reader. Why and why are you so passionate? You know, I, I, I had 15 stores on average 250 employees. Some of my stores were four hours away from my home. So I started studying face reading because I wanted to understand my managers better. I wanted to help them make better hires. I wanted to understand what was the likelihood of how the store was being run when I wasn't in town. And I became so fascinated. At that point, I I dated my ex-husband for five years. We were married 17. And when I started studying face reading, I learned things about him I never knew in those 22 years. And I really believed if I'd had this knowledge, I would not have divorced. I would have understood. Then I started thinking about my boys are only 18 months apart, so I basically raised them like twins almost. You know, if one was in this sport, they both went into it. And I wouldn't do that again. They're very, very different people. And I just felt like, you know, oh, my God, everyone on the planet needs to know this information. You know, we we are taught do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But oftentimes you don't get it right 20% of the time. With face reading, you can understand how they want you to treat them. And it can enhance every single human relationship you have. It brings about an understanding that is just, 23 years into it, it still amazes me. Do you teach courses on this, Lynn? I sure do. You know, because as I said, I just think everyone should learn this. So I teach classes, you know, here in the Metro Detroit on a, on a monthly basis. Uh, people bring me into their location wherever they are, uh, anywhere in the world, and I'm happy to present to them. I also, you know, do some things online to help people study for themselves also. What facial trait is the most important to recognize? You know, it's it's interesting because, you know, it really kind of varies depending on what um, avenue or how you're interacting with the person. You know, if it was somebody looking for a long-term partnership, a relationship with somebody, then eyelids would be the most important because they reflect our intimacy needs. If somebody's sitting down to a poker table, I want them to look at the size of the nostrils and the angle of the nostrils because it tells you the likelihood of this person bluffing and double bluffing, which is important if you're going to win at poker. You know, if I was hiring an accountant, I'd want him to have close-set eyes. If I was hiring somebody for sales, I'd want them to have a large mouth and full lips. 
So it really mm-hmm. depends on each one. But I tell people, if, if I had to just choose one, choose the height of the eyebrows. And the reason for that is the height of our eyebrows on our forehead tell us how much personal space when we need when we first meet somebody for the first time. Once you know them, eyebrow height no longer comes into place. So one of the things, Patricia, you have very low eyebrows. So what that tells me is you're comfortable with informality, you're comfortable approaching new people. When you meet people the first time, you're not standoffish, uh, you don't need a lot of personal space around you, you don't need a lot of formality. So people feel very comfortable around you. Men will have low or moderate eyebrows, but women, on the other hand, they can have low, moderate, or high eyebrows. So single women will say, you know, sometimes I could be, you know, I think I'm one of the prettiest women there and, and nobody comes and asks me to dance or whatever the case may be. It's because their high eyebrows make them look aloof, a little distance, a little haughty, you know. And so the guy doesn't have the courage to come up and ask, even though he might like to. Mm. The high eyebrow people often get mis- uh, misunderstood because they're not any of those things. Usually they're a little shy. You know, so, your, quote is, your quote is saying... You can know your true compatibility with another person in less time than it takes to drink a cup of coffee. Is that true? Absolutely. You know, it's human nature. We well, want to, to win approval. So, so here we go. So now if single people are listening, can they send you the picture of the person they're dating or the person they want to do business with and have you look at their picture and the other person and tell them what you think? Do you do yes. that? Yes, absolutely oh. all the time. All the time. Because it's human nature, we want to, we put our best foot forward when we're going for the job interview or the blind date or whatever the case may be. But then once we feel comfortable, we go back to being our real self. But who you are is written on your face and it continually changes. Your face continually changes as a kind of a human personality profile or history of who you are up until the day you die. So you can know the truth. How many traits can be read in a face? There's 144 muscles and 14 bones. The average person you'll read may be 60 to 65 traits. Let's go back, and I want to ask you about the types of readings you offer. You know, I do several types of readings. I do a personal face reading um, where, you know, all of the face readings, if they're not in my general locale, they take the photos and they send them to me. They take five photos with their hair pulled off their face and their ears because everything tells me something. They take it close up, smiling, non-smiling, with glasses if they wear them full time, and then both profiles. So a personal face reading is really all about you. I print the photos, I number each facial trait, record it onto an audio CD, and then I send it to them so that they can see it and hear it simultaneously. And then, like you said, you know, single people will often want to understand how they fit with this person, so they're sending me both photos, both sets of photos. Sometimes they will send me the, the five photos of themselves, and they only have a, you know, one photo of the other person. Now, for example, let me, that brings me to something personal. Uh-huh. I sent you, because you had asked me, I sent you pictures taken of me five years ago professionally. And then I sent you pictures taken of me a month ago professionally. And I did that purposefully. And you say things change over time. What did you see in both of those or differences? You know, there really wasn't a whole lot of differences. And some of the up-to-date photos were small enough that it was hard for me to see the exact detail 
I tell parents, you know, take those close-up photos, you know, at the different seasons of the sports or from the school year. Because when we're either looking at ourselves in the mirror or at somebody else in our life, we don't see the changes because we see them so often. And your photos, you know, the main thing was in one photo I couldn't see both ears. So I'd look at this photo to get the left ear, this one to get the right ear. The photo that was the easiest for me to see is probably the professional one you're talking about. It's beautiful of you, and you've got a black um, uh, suit jacket on. Yeah, that was about five years ago. Yeah, and it's the closest that I could see. One of the other photos, you know, and that one you didn't have a big smile on. And one of the recent photos you sent me, you had a beautiful smile. And mm-hmm. I could see on the sides of your cheeks, we call them support or um, cheerleader coach lines. So when you smile, there's these vertical lines on the side of your cheek that tells me that you're very supportive of the people you care about. You know, I believe in you can do it. Sure you can. Come on. Great job, you know. And that was not present in the earlier photos, but you weren't smiling as much. Mm. So sometimes, you know, if, if I'm wanting to do an exact study of the changes, I want the same pose. But there hasn't been a great deal of change in your face. Some of the structural things are um, very similar throughout all the photos. Now, do you, uh, when you do these readings, do you also look at negative traits such as stubbornness, impatience, um, if someone's not trustworthy? If uh, Can you pick all that out as well? We cannot read trustworthy. Uh, because that is something that would not be visible on the face. But when you talked about, you know, um, the good and the bad, you know, in my mind, I don't see that there is a good or a bad. There is an asset or a challenge. Like you talked about being stubborn. Yes, that, that forward little pad on the chin that so many of us in America have would be that strong-willed and determined, maybe a little stubborn. So the one side is the stubbornness, we don't know when to let go. The other side of it, it helps us accomplish our goals and dreams because we do keep persevering no matter what's going on. So I tell people all the time, you know, it's it's really about looking past what we've used to label each other in the past. You know, the color of our skin really tells us nothing more other than how close to the equator the bloodline originated. All of the other facial traits, there will be two sides. It's like, you know, if a lion wants a drink, he just kind of bends his head down to the pond and drinks. A giraffe, on the other hand, has to kind of go up and kind of telescope their legs out to the sides to be able to get their neck down to take a drink. So they're both doing the same thing, but how they go about it is a little bit different. And that's really true with the face reading, too. We're really more similar than what you might think. But we tend to think everyone is the way we are. We don't realize some of the traits... You know, there are certain traits like eyelids and and nostrils that we all have. There are other traits that only one out of 500 people have, like methodicalness. So even if they have a level one, it's something important to pay attention to because most people have never experienced methodicalness. But if it's something that's quite common on the face, then we have a better grasp of how that actually works. Hmm. Now, tell tell us how we can learn more. How can listeners get more material, work with you, take courses, get your books? Well, I suggest usually people start with Facebook. You know, um, if they go on Facebook and Face Reading by Lynn, and Lynn is spelled L-I-N, 
It gives them a feel for who I am, some of the things we're talking about. I post photos there. Some people that have studied face reading interact. Some people know nothing about it and ask questions. So that gives them kind of a, a basis to interact with me. Um, if they're wanting to know about products and services, my website, Face Reading by Lynn, and again it's L-I-N, dot com, would be where they would find the books and the services and um, that sort of thing. They can contact me directly, you know, um, 586-773-4230 if they want to know about presentations in their area or bringing them, me into their company or anything like that. Um, mm. And, of course, there's always Google. <laughs> yeah. You know, having done this for so many years and, and being one of the number one experts, what are your general comments about people? I mean, you said something about how a lot of us are similar you know, we have nuances, but many of us are similar. You know, that's so true because oftentimes, you know, the thing about face reading is most of the time we're using it to bring about balance, harmony, and um, equality in relationships. The only time it's being used against the person is in law enforcement, you know, the detectives um, during the interview process, that sort of thing, or at the poker table because now they're using it, you know, to read and understand how they might be playing the game. But in most situations, it's like you have beautiful, what we call clear eyelids, Patricia. You know, mm-hmm. when I look at you, when your eyes are open, I can see your entire eyelid. So if we were close friends, I would know instantly that I could come to you and ask your opinion about something and you would tell me, the direct, honest truth. You wouldn't, you know, kind of soften it or um, any of that stuff. You would just be very direct. You would tell me honestly what I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And so with somebody that has, we call it epicathic fold, you know, the skin that kind of hangs over the eyelids, it's not that those people aren't honest, but they're less direct. And so mm-hmm. that would be a difference between the two of us. So I would work at being more direct with you, and I would instantly know that you're going to be more direct with me. You know, you have a beautiful, uh, large mouth. You were built to talk. I mean, you belong here doing what you're doing. You've probably been talkative your whole entire life. Um, and your lips are quite That's thin. That's interesting. That's so interesting because actually, believe it or not, there's really a very introverted side to me. Very, oh, yeah. yes. very introverted. I mean, I speak with purpose and with reason. If I don't have purpose and reason, I don't speak. Yeah. And that's really, and I, and I don't know whether that's part of my career, but I mean, I will go places and I will hear people talk about what I think is nonsense. Yes. And I just don't talk about things that are light and I talk about things that are purposeful. That means, I don't know whether that's good or bad, and that's probably part of what I do in my work. Well, the, the large size mouth tells me that you talk frequently. The thin lips tell me that when you do speak, exactly, you just made my whole case, is when you do speak, it's direct to the point you say what you have to say. You're not one of these chatty Cathy's that just goes on and on about things that no. really aren't important. And no. you're not going to, you know how some people repeat what they've just said over? You don't do that. So when you talk, people do listen because they know you're going to be, you know, direct and to the point, And you have something of value to say. But yeah. the size of your mouth means that your your brain is hardwired. This is easy for you. When you decide, it's just very easy. It just kind of flows out. 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But there's something you said before that I want to ask. You talked about people with the eyelids hanging over. Now, a lot of people go to plastic surgeons for just that, to have that removed. So now, if that's removed, now what happens in terms of your face reading? What happens, and that's one of the things that, again, I watch for, and if I'm not sure, I'll even ask if they've had it. But, um, again, it usually goes with a certain type of face. You know, like Hillary Clinton has had her eyelids done. Um, so, you know, you have a kind of what we call like a chiseled face. You have strong facial, facial features. You have beautiful high cheekbones. Your face is very defined. So I would expect you to have what we call the clear eyelid. What happens, people think we get that skin as we age and it's gravity, but I have seen people in their late 80s that don't have it, and, of course, some of us are born with it. So really, that skin that's over the eyelid is like the um, filing cabinet for our brain. It represents mm-hmm. our belief system. When somebody asks you a question, you answer it right here, right now, in present time. Right. I have that skin. I go into back brain, look for a similar situation, the choice that I made, the outcome, and it colors the choice and how I state something today. That takes me a little bit longer. So if I go in and have surgery, now you're going to look at me and you're going to think that I'm going to be more direct than what I am. So what happens, I tell clients all the time, if you want to maintain that, you need to work at being more direct and more to the point. And if you do, that skin won't come back. If you don't, if you maintain that going into the back brain and looking for the answers and having that effect, then that skin will come back and you might have to have that surgery several times to have it removed. Isn't that interesting? Well, Lynn, we could go on for a long time. I'll have to have you back, but let's tell people how they can find you. It's, again, face reading by Lynn, L-I-N dot com. Correct. And they can find out about workshops seminars, individual consultations, either in person or by phone, because you can work with pictures. Can you work with pictures as well as in person? Actually, I do all of the readings by photos, even if they're local, because it takes me three hours to do it. And so, and the people need to be able to see it to understand. So actually, the photos are better. When I first started out, I did them in person, but people couldn't retain the information. Have you ever been called in by law enforcement to help them with crimes? Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes they will have somebody who is um, admitting to a crime, and they didn't do it. You know, they just didn't do it. Oftentimes when they're bringing several suspects in and they don't know who is the weakest link, you know, because if they go to the um, strongest person, um, and I mean, go to and say that you know so and so. They're not going to believe them. But if you say whoever is the weakest person out of the three, well, so and so gave you up. You might as well. They'll know that that person's weak, so they'll do that. So sometimes they want to know, okay, which of these should we start with, and who's the weakest person? Who's the easiest person to break down? And sometimes they also want to understand, okay, what are their traits? You know, one of the things is we we look at the basic body balance. Depending on the length of your torso and legs, some of people like to sit when they're stressed. Some people like to stand. So they'll purposely, if they like to stand to relieve stress, they'll they'll handcuff them to the um, chair. You know, they're using it against them to get into what they need to know. And you know, one of my passions is I'd like every beat cop to know this because you can take one glance at the eyes and know what stress level, and then they know what they're likely getting themselves into, even with a traffic stop. All right, we're going to have to close this again. I mean, we need a whole hour with this. So we'll have to have you come back. Lynn, it's been a pleasure, 
And the website is facereadingbylynlin.com. Thank you. Thank you. Stay on the line. Thank you so much for being on the program, folks. If you want to know what your face is really telling you and other people, contact Lynn, facereadingbylynn.com, and give us the number again, Lynn. 586-773-4230. Okay, folks. You've been listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.